Hello there, and welcome to Sweet Child of Time. I'm your host, Steve, and today we're doing Wheel of Time, A Place of Safety, Episode 3. It's a rewatch with my boy, James the Marshland Monster. Ahoy there, James. Find water and shade, may thee. Oh, may thee find some water and shade and say ahoy, please. Oh, uh, uh, bon voyage, James. Bon voyage. Ch- chips ahoy. <laughs> Or chip ahoy? I don't remember which is which. It doesn't really matter anyway. What's shaking today, James? How you feeling? I'm exhausted. I'm already done with this week, and it's Monday. <laughs> Technically, my my week starts on Saturday, goes through Thursday. I get okay. one day off, and that's it. Dang, dude. Well, yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat with you. My week is already exhausting. It's just began, <laughs> and. We're going to forget about that right now and dive into the world of Wheel of Time because it's about time they get another season for us. It's been, did you know it's been 269 days since they wrapped filming for season two and they haven't even released a release date yet. And I felt upset about that until I realized that after they filmed season one, it didn't go on air for like a year and a half after it filmed. So that made me feel a little bit better, but I'm still really angsty about this season too. There's a lot of post-production. You got to make sure the, mm. uh, the the channeling is done right. Why are, why, what are you talking about a violin? Violin's not post-production. You can get a violin on set. Well, Tom might have a violin to play for us. That's what I was indicating. They got to do their music. They got to do the little fancy uh, CGI. And I understand like all these uh, uh, houses right now are just like just like me at work. We're, we're behind because of the supply chain issues. We're behind because of labor issues. And I've heard that some of these animation studios and CGI studios are kind of in the same boat, that they're missing some things they should be having, whether it's employees or actual tools A lot of places are behind production. So this is not unheard of, but it still Mm -hmm. makes me upset enough where I want to meme about it, which is what I did this past week. (laughs) (laughs) My my guess for the animation stuff is they were so in demand in beginning of quarantine. Mm -hmm. Then they're like, oh, we are so far behind on everything. And now they're still making catch up on that. Yeah, they're making some ketchup, making some mustard, getting some good hot dogs. Uh, I wanted to bring up something from last episode that I forgot to bring right up. That. Well, it's not that I forgot to bring it up, but we were in kind of a rush last time. And today we're kind of chill. So episode two, after they did the little sing song thing and Moraine was giving them a monologue about the Manetherin, the people of Manetherin, and everybody was very solemn. You remember this, correct? Yes. So you remember Moraine, she was dictating straight out of the books there and she has a wonderful voice. She's a voice actress and she does audiobooks. She's done audiobooks for like Jane Austen books and whatnot. She began doing audiobooks for Wheel of Time as well. She's done the Whoa. first three Wheel of Time books. Um, this is Moraine. Rosamond Pike, of course, is who I'm talking about. The reason I bring it up is because just take a wild guess what the Wheel of Time fans thought about one of the TV stars narrating their books. They loved it. (laughs) They did not love it. They should have. Some people loved it, but they saw it as more of a slight to the original audiobook readers, which were like Michael Kramer and Kate Reading. So they did the whole Wheel of Time series and everybody loved their audiobooks, myself included. 
But now Rosamond Pike is doing a version too, and that's fine. There's plenty of room for this. But apparently, boo to Rosamond Pike is what they're saying. They're mad that she did this. And I think she has a wonderful reading voice. And I, I'm all I for can, it. I can get on board if you have a like pessimistic view on this, which is when you are watching Wheel of Time – and you click pause, it will show you what actors are in the scene. But Mm -hmm. before everything else, it'll say, do you want to buy this book? Which is probably them saying, oh, we can get all of the profits if if we just send them to this version of the audio book, which I almost, I tried many times and failed all the times (laughs) to work at a... Amazon-owned studio-slash-book manufacturing. I was just trying to work in the warehouse, and they're like, you don't have warehouse experience. And I'm like, how the fuck am I supposed to get warehouse experience if I have if I can't work in the warehouse? So uh, I can see why they would want to do that. They can keep all of the profits. It's weird that they had a star do it because then that's cutting into the profits. But you want to know that I think that's even better. It's not the most pessimistic view. They spent time. They got someone who actually knows what they're doing. If she's done voiceover and audiobooks before. Mm-hmm. So yeah, screw them. But you can also have at least the pessimistic view of, Oh, they just want all the profits themselves. Yeah, I guess so. And they were, they were saying it's more against the original duo, Michael Kramer and Kate Redding, Kate Reed, Reading, I should say. Isn't that a great name for somebody who reads audiobooks? I'm <laughs> Kate Reading and I read. That's perfect. But the way I see it, it's just, it's not like they're replacing their versions with Rosamond Pike's versions. They're simply adding like a, a new version, like a new edition, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I was all for that and I was just disheartened to see like how many people were against that. Uh, but they're both out there. That's all I wanted to bring up about that. <laughs> um, also, how old are the original audiobooks? I mean, they started in the 90s. Okay, yeah. So, guys, those audiobooks were recorded on tape. You know, like, <laughs> the, you can hear the hiss in the tape recording. Because when I read Lord of the Rings, it you could feel the warmth of the studio in gotcha. there. And, you know, people aren't used to that. They don't want a constant hiss in their ear. <laughs> so maybe that's why they were like, let's update these. Could they have mixed that out easily with an Isotopes Wave plug-in? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Well, okay. Speaking of like how people took things, how did people take this episode of Wheel of Time? I know I didn't get any of the critics reviews, but I know you took a peek at some of the fan reviews of this episode. I did. uh, I'll give my review this episode right now. It's uh, one of my favorite episodes of the Wheel. There's only eight episodes of Wheel of Time. I know. But if I had to rank them, it would be number four is my favorite episode. This episode, number three, is my second favorite episode, which comes really closely behind that first one because there's a lot of world building this episode. We're introduced to a lot of stuff and I give it a nine out of 10. What did our friends over there in uh, Letterboxd have to say about this? Again, this is IMDb. Okay. Letterboxd only does movies. I say Letterboxd in the same way somebody says, let me get a Xerox of that. You know what I'm saying? Get out of here. <laughs> Unless it's Nintendo. Everyone call a PlayStation Nintendo because then that will loosen their grip on the industry. So overall, people seemed, at least the people reviewing, seem to be more like 
six and above for stars out of ten. The haters are few, far and few now. Okay. Like they're probably just bombing it with ratings instead of taking the time to write a review, maybe realizing, oh, I guess I could just copy and paste my review on every episode. Shut up, wheel of time purist. Before you get into it there, let me, uh, I, I should mention this too, and it's a reminder that all three of these episodes were released at the same time, episodes one, two, and three. They all dropped on the same date. So a lot of people might have seen them at the same time and reviewed them at the same time. So I was mm-hmm. kind of expecting negative reviews. I'm Hoping to see the negative reviews drop off next episode, but what you got for us for the positive? I don't. You can start however you want. You're gonna start negative or positive, James? I was gonna ask you. I have two of each. Which one would you want? I want to hear the negative ones first. All right, I'll go with the shorter one. Okay. This show is just trash. Mm-hmm. All the vine says. This is their review. <laughs> and I truncated this, so I'll say ellipses. That means a bunch has been cut out. Mm-hmm. And this person just had some, like, dumb stuff uh, that I'm like, I want it. There's one critique that I'm like, come on, man. I've read the books. Amazon have insulted them with trash. Dot, dot, dot. Where's Tom's white whiskers? Dot, dot, dot. (laughs) If you ever want to adapt books into TV series, how's about... You actually read them and understand them. Then again, as I've said, I've read the books at a cost of a couple quid. Amazon wasted millions on something no one will watch after the fifth episode. Hard fail. Dang. Okay. All right. All right. Got a hard fail in here. I think he would. I think. Maybe he wrote his reviews all on the same day for one, two, and three, and he ran out of steam for number three because there was maybe a lot of some weirdness in there. Where was Tom's white whiskers? T- <laughs> they they showed his patchy cloak. They had they changed his instrument, which is fine, but he had that nice hair. Uh, his demeanor was different than he expected. I think a lot of people were expecting a different Tom. But what's your what's your next guy? I got to say or well, gal? Let's go. I have two of both, so let's okay. go to a positive review. Yeah, that sounds good. Great adaptation by JLM C. Girk. I've recently read all the books again, and I find this to be a great segue to television for the intensity of this material. I love that some of the later concepts are woven into these early episodes. Hey, I even picked up on that. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how the story unveils. Unravels, I mean. I'd love to see the naysay I'd love to see the naysayers write, produce, and even execute something of this magnitude themselves in any close proximity. Yeah. Yeah. If you can't beat them, do it. Agreed, yeah. I mean, I guess most people that naysay and most people that love it, like myself, I absolutely could not make a TV show. So I, yeah. <laughs> my my show would be awful, just hands down. But all right, I'm with you, buddy. I like that. Okay, this one is truncated a lot. I took out a lot, but it's still a pretty epic review that we have. This is Spaseek or Spaseek, the greed of Amazon. And I'll tell you this right off the bat. They gave a 9 out of 10 to an episode of Angel, so we know this person doesn't have good taste because that show sucks. And Buffy, although it has its good moments, 
also sucks. All right. Hmm. The greed and cheapness of Jeff Bezos, one of the greediest men on the planet, is primed. I'm. Why didn't they like? capitalize that like to be like hey i'm doing a play on words i don't think they're doing a play on words is primed to ruin one of the best fantasy series ever written of the three episodes this one is the weakest the show is slowly becoming to get a cw feel in other words cheap Whoever sold the rights to Amazon must have been a moron. (laughs) Amazon is no better than most networks. Cheap budget with many constraints and the only... And the only one hour long episodes is destroying the pacing of the series. What else do you want? Two hour long episodes, fucker? I don't know what you mean by that, but I digress. I don't mind liberties. This person's a big don't tread on me, so they want their own liberties. (laughs) I don't mind liberties as long as they stick to the story and characters. But moving at a lightning pace is sapping. I, maybe zapping is sapping the. That's actually maybe because it's slow. Yes, yeah, sap is slow, sir or madam. Sapping the life out of the series. An entire season should be devoted to a single book. Although I'm hearing that at least the first two to three will be covered. God, I hope that's wrong. Otherwise, we're merely getting a very skeletonized version of the 14 book story arc. Whoever wrote this episode must not have even passed screenwriting 101. Shut up. I hate to say it, but they did, and they are a, a well-known screenwriter. But I don't know. That, that that review made me smile a lot. I mean, I know it's very negative and very crappy, and it probably brought the scores way down. It probably gave them a 1 out of 10, right? It was a one-star review. I think it was like a three out of 10. Oh, okay. Well, shit. But at any rate, I mean, it made me smile a lot in the greed of Jeff Bezos. I can definitely Uh agree with that. And I like how the lightning speed slows things down. That's really interesting as well. Or is zapping the life out of it? I don't, that's probably what they meant. I don't know. I'd be friends with this person, I think, because maybe maybe it's your voice. Maybe it's because you're reading that I'm enjoying it so much. But I don't know. Those words made me smile, even though I don't agree with them. Okay, what about (laughs) this? I don't mind liberties as long as they stick to the story and characters. But moving at a lightning pace is sapping the life out of the series. I'm not smiling anymore, James. I'm cringing now. There we go. All right. One last review. This is a positive. I think it was a 10 out of a 10 or maybe an 8 out of 10. Okay. Saying, I enjoyed the changes as a book fan. This is from Marley M. Curtis. They state, at the end of episode one, when it appeared Nanive had died, I turned to my husband and I said I would stop watching it if she didn't make an appearance in episode two. Well, she didn't. Okay, well, she actually did, but it was at the end, but maybe they didn't see that shot. Right. My husband convinced me to give episode three a shot, and finally, here she is. Her disappearance didn't happen in the books, and in my opinion, wasn't needed here. But 
I did like the water cave scene, and I think it covers a lot of ground in character development for her, as well as her relationship de development with Lan. Overall, well executed. It's hard to take a leap of faith with the show producers when I, as a book reader, know exactly what they're skipping over, mm -hmm. but so far the deleted scenes have been appropriately replaced or turned up in unexpected places in later episodes. Okay, yeah, that's valid. Um, it's awesome that they were talking about Nynaeve a lot too, because that's the first character I was going to go into was Nynaeve as well. And yeah, sure, that whole disappearance thing was just a way to get us, you know, a way to suck in some TV viewers and have some cliffhanger episodes, because mm -hmm. we had two cliffhanger episodes before this one, and Nynaeve was part of that. But I think it was important that um, they showed us that Nynaeve was dragged away and not killed by the Trollocs. And that's mm -hmm, important. Mm -hmm. They didn't really discuss that too much, but she was kept alive. I mean, those Trollocs were killing people on site, but I think that was supposed to give you pause that she was not killed, that she was just dragged away. Yeah. So I mean, good stuff. Yeah, that's, that's our last review, right? Yep, last review. And I really like that one because... They explain like, oh, I was initially angry or I initially was like, what? What are they doing? Mm -hmm. But hey, I actually like the changes they made. I can see why they made them. And now I have faith in these producers and the writers that even if they're taking liberties, I know they are going to implement the things they took out or make something just as compelling. Right. Yeah, I, I like that, too, because I feel the same way, too. I don't necessarily like that they gave Perrin a wife and had him kill her the first episode. I don't necessarily like the fact that Matt's a thief and like every episode so far he stole something. But even so, I trust the showrunners and I know they're doing something with these storylines and I'm not it doesn't turn me off whatsoever. It just makes me more intrigued. I mean, just the fact that I don't agree with the change doesn't mean that I'm going to hate it or sit there with my arms crossed and hope it fails. <laughs> I want to I see them do well with this. I really would have loved if in like 1987, whenever it came out, IMDb existed so we could see readers of the original <laughs> review Garfield and Friends and be like, what the <laughs> f*** are they doing to my orange cat? He's not fat like he was in the original. I know he's skinnier now, but I wish they just made him this plump self as the original. And in normal, I tell you, well... Normal shows up in the first episode. Normal didn't show up until like the 1990s series. What the hell? I'm so sorry about that, Normal. But uh, hey, James, let, can I go ahead and uh, continue talking about Nynaeve? Because that was my next note, as a matter of fact. Yeah, dude. Yeah. So um, the actress that played her, I might have said this in the recap. I don't know. But the actress that played her, Zoe Robbins, is is badass. And we do a lot of like horror movie scenes, like that whole pool sequence was like straight out of like a predator or something. It was it's some good stuff. But she is such like an adapt actress that she was like outrunning the car that was like filming her. Like they Hell were yeah. they were they were having to tell her to run slower because she was she was bringing too much intensity to the shots. She's like, I've ran from Kaiju, okay? <laughs> These little trollops, nothing compared to a Megazord battle. <laughs> I rode on top of like a 
giant dog once. And it went, bark, bark. I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to go character to character this time around. So I think that'll make it easier instead of trying to do some kind of like, okay. you know, scene by scene things. So I basically want to talk about Nynaeve and Lan first off. So, Can I start yeah. with, we, we were talking about her a little bit. Mm-hmm. I really liked in the flashback scene that you can see her, even though she's running from this trollop and needs to hide, there is a moment of hesitation when before she jumps into the pool because she's like, this is sacred. Right. This could be defiled by this trollop if things break bad. Or if he kills me in here, people might... N- that might sully this experience for others. Right. But, you know, she got to do what she got to do. She jumped in there and she desecrated that pool to death with that, mm-hmm. all that trollic blood. Um, yeah. What about Lan here? Do you have any thoughts about Lan and Nynaeve? Because we can definitely see when he starts to fall in love with her. I, it's insane that I have that down and that I notice it now because – he is seeing her as both – I think he's seeing the best traits of a warder and an Aes Sedai in her where she's like strong, badass, but all – like is like I know what to do to take care of myself, but also I don't take shit from anyone. Yeah, like, it's like she, she did try to stab him. She like <laughs> – yeah, every she tracked him. Just the fact that she was able to track him, I mm-hmm. think that think that made him fall in love with her right there. Just because yeah. she never revealed how she even did that. She was holding the power position that entire time. Even when she was tied up, even when he, he had the knife to her, she was always the one that was in that power position. Um, I wanted to bring up something about Lan real quick. Um, mm-hmm. Not just Lan, but the actor who plays him, Daniel Henney. And this is something that I just found out recently, too, is that he helped design the clothing for his character because he requested that some Korean, you know, uh, style tailoring and Korean clothing be incorporated into what he was wearing. So they did that for him. Um, Oh, yeah. I had no idea that was the case, but thought that was cool. Um, The character of Nynaeve in the books, she's raised by her dad as a boy. Because her dad wanted a son and he didn't get a son. So he raised Nynaeve as if she was his son. So he took her hunting, tracking, um, taught her all that kind of stuff. Um, The Nynaeve of the TV show just kind of has a mysterious backstory where we don't Mm -hmm. know where she came from. Because she's a dragon. Because she could be the dragon. She's definitely one of the five. Because, yeah, like I said before, the Trolloc didn't kill her because he didn't want to take that chance. Um, but yeah, uh, I have a couple other notes here about not even land, but do you, before I go on, just real quick, imagine if you met Nicole and I, and we're on a podcast together and you're like, Oh, Hey, you guys have been, been together for almost a decade. How'd you meet? And it was, Oh yeah. Nicole put a sword up to my throat and (laughs) tried to murder me, but I moved away calling her bluff, which actually wasn't a bluff, but then we fell in love. I think in this world, that's the, that that's like the dream. That is like Mm -hmm. how you want to fall in love. Cause otherwise it's just kind of like, well, my mom told me I had to marry their son. So I did it. (laughs) Yeah. It's the equivalent of, I saw her artwork on Facebook 
messaged her to do a, a cover for a podcast and then we fell in love. So, yeah, she was holding the knife to your throat with that artwork. I mean, she could have uh-huh. like produced some really crappy artwork. And I think Nicole had the power position that whole time as well, just like Nanny did. did. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Because like, because you're like, hey, she's like, first off, you know, pay me for my work. And second off, you're going to like it no matter what I give you. You're, you're going to take it. You're going to like it. You're going to fall in love with me. And I did. It, history was made. Did you notice that when Moraine was, uh, re- she's been really weak this whole episode, of course, she's injured. But when she was like muttering kind of half words to herself, did you notice that she muttered out the name Swan? No. Yeah. I thought that was, I didn't catch that the first time around either. That's what rewatches are for. Um, so the casual viewer might, first off, might not know who Swan is. But second off might be like, oh, Swan, you mean like the armorilla in seat? Oh, she's probably just calling her name for no apparent reason whatsoever. We know okay. now exactly why. And for the person who has seen this once and talked about it on podcasts, was, might be just waiting for their friend who has watched this multiple <laughs> times and has read all the books to reveal who Swan is. Uh, that it would be her lover. That would be the, mm-hmm. uh, the head of the Aes Sedai. The woman in white, the Amarillan seat. Um, we're shown the water bond here pretty well, where Nynaeve explains to us that like she's doing some squeezy, gross stuff to Moraine to get the pus out of her. Ew. Blech. But she warns Nan- Lan that he's going to feel it too, and we do see him do that. So it, I think this was a good example of the water bond. I think this is the first time they actually discussed that and showed that to us, right? Yes. Yeah, so here we got the first water bond. Um, I would have really liked it if... Have you seen Kung Pao Enter the Fist? It's been a while. I saw it in theaters when it came out. (laughs) There's that scene where they're like massaging, but it's like massaging like a man's pecs. And the person massaging is going like, oh, yes, yes. And the person's like, wait, what are you doing that actually... Stop it. That's weird and it kind of hurts. It would have been funny if she's like, oh, if you feel everything she feels, just starts like cupping her breast. And he's like, oh, yes. (laughs) This bond is doing pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I guess the last thing we got to say about Nynaeve and Moraine and Lan is they hook up with the Aes Sedai at the end of this episode. Um, there, there's seven Aes Sedai in that group that they meet upon at the end. And they're with the quote unquote dragon who we know is not the real dragon, but that dude is pretty intense looking. He looks like he could be a dragon cause he's, mm-hmm. he's got the look, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that, uh, a lonely Island song. Yeah. No. What lonely Island song? The look she's got the look. Yeah. Don't know I think that she one. Has, I think she has one titty out. I think that's the look. <laughs> Okay, all right. Not familiar with that lonely. I got to dig into my Lonely Island discography. Speaking of discography, this is a question between two podcasters right now. Have you released a song as Marshland Monster called Ebdweeb yet? I have not. I'm still Uh, waiting on Mr. Howard Kramer, who messaged me yesterday saying, hey, man, I got an idea. Give me a beat. And I said, send me a vocal track of just you, whatever the hook is, and I'll build it around there. Right on. I was looking through my old files trying to figure out what song I'm going to put in this episode, which I've already figured out. We've already heard it. But I saw Ebdweeb in there and I saw some vocal tracks that I sent you and I was like, that's kind of embarrassing that I was like (laughs) doing that. And I wonder if that even got used. So that's why I was wondering about that. No, they'll be used just waiting on his vocals. In the future, Marshland Monster, Dragon Boy Suede, Ebdweeb. 
Let's talk about a couple of dweebs named Perrin and Egwene next, if we may, please. Ruh-roh. <laughs> Wait, I do have one thing about Nanive. Uh, if she was in the town that entire night, or she was there in the morning. Why couldn't she have met up with them? That's my only, like, <laughs> plot hole thing. Like, if I was a shitty fan, I'd be like, oh, that doesn't make sense. Who cares? Yeah, we covered that extensively, I think, in our recap, as a matter of fact. Oh, we did? Yeah, we did. How they all should have gone to the same place, and I don't know. <laughs> At any rate, um, Perrin and Egwene. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I do have, this is for our next two sets of characters. The climate habitat topography of this world is so vast, yet like so close near each other, that it is so much a world map of a JRPG where you're like, hey, man, we're in the winter. Oh, no, we're actually took two steps. We're in the jungle. How did we get to the desert? <laughs> I know because like what Perrin and Gwen are like on some kind of plane. You can see the mountains in the background. You got to mm-hmm. give them that. But it seems like they're in the plains. And then you got Matt and Rand actively climbing mountains. Mm-hmm. And then you have nineteen of all of them in, in the forest somewhere. Yeah. And they're all just like within like shouting distance of each other or supposedly. But Perrin and Egwene, they lost. And I guess the first thing I wanted to say is that Perrin is okay with channeling. And it shows that, you know, he's very accepting of the fact that Egwene can channel. Like immediately he's okay with it. But... Remember, he was trying to start that fire, and then Egwene had to step in and help with the, with the one power. That knife, if you remember, is the knife that Matt gave him that was like, yeah, whenever you use this knife, <laughs> you think about Layla and the fact that she can make you these great tools and how she's going to help you. That knife didn't help him, buddy. That was that's some pretty sad stuff if you think about it twice. Yeah, it's like... Good riddance with that wife. She didn't make good tools. But it also felt very – I know people have probably said this, but it feels like someone trying to like get an, an erection before sex. He's like, no, no, I, I can do this. I can do this. Come on. Just focus. Be calm. His heart's not in it though, man. He's too sad to have sex. Like mm-hmm. he's spending all his time like comforting Egwene, it seems like. Nobody's comforting Perrin. Perrin's like, I think Perrin has gone through more than anybody has at this point. Mm -hmm. And nobody is really helping him. He's not asking for help, but he's not getting comforted by any means whatsoever by anybody. So I'm feeling for the guy right now. I don't know. People also, he also hasn't told the entire story, which probably because he's like, everyone will be to my side and we can't have that right now. What do you mean everyone will be to my side? Like as in they'll rally around Perrin? Like, hey, my wife died in this battle. Okay, a, a lot of our family has died. We're all going through the same thing. But if it's like, I accidentally swung my sword thinking it was a trollic, trollop, and I accidentally killed my wife and I feel terrible about it, I think I should be dead, people would be like, whoa, no, you're going through, even if it's just a percent more than us, that percent is a heavy percent. It is. It is. I ain't loving it. But these wolves, though, they're actually helping them. They think they're running from the wolves, but the wolves are hurting them and leading them to, as our episode says, a place of safety. So that's nice to know. Mm Mm-hmm. However, did you notice in Perrin's dream 
when he had that crazy dream that we know now Baalzaman sent that dream to him. We can see Baalzaman in the window. Did you notice the red eyes in the window? Yeah, we talked Perrin? about this last time, I think. Yeah, good deal. Well, I don't think we talked about this, though, is the fact that he walks in, he sees a wolf eating Layla. That wolf is supposed to be representative of Perrin himself. Because at first, in first viewing, it's like, you know, he's scared of wolves. Wolves are chasing him. These things are happening. That wolf is a representation of he himself, Perrin. And the words that Layla says when she opens her eyes in that dream is the same words that she said when he said he loved her. She just says, I know. So I don't know if she's saying, I know here, as in like, I know that you're a wolf and you're eating my entrails right now. And I know that about you. Or if she's just repeating, you know, the words she said to him that when she should have said, I love you, she said, I know. I think it's more so everyone else doesn't know, at least in his mind, he killed her. That Like, I'm a murderer, even though this was an accident. She is saying, I know you are a murderer and you did this to me, even though no one else does. I do. I think it's more so a telltale heart type deal of like, oh, this thing is trying to tell everyone else. Maybe I should just tell everyone else myself. Hmm. Okay. I don't know. I th- I th- I'm taking it as that she knows about his wolf tendencies and that she knows that, you know, that's where his psyche is heading, basically. I don't know. Um, we do meet the Tuathan, though, and we know to call them the Tuathan. Don't call them Tinkers, James. Always call them the Tuathan. You told mm-hmm. me that, as a matter of fact. You're the one who taught me that because I think in one episode I called them Tinkers and you admonished me for that and said I should call them by their proper name. So I will do so. At your, at your insistence. Um, I didn't like their introduction here. This is the one thing about this episode I didn't like is they were introduced in a very stilted, kind of awkward, non-cinematic way. I, I think the the worst thing about this is that it's fog on a bright day. So you're already thinking, well, this feels goosebumpsy. Of just, oh, fog will scare children. It's spooky, creepy. They should have tried to get that sun out of there somehow. Like, put a big old tarp up in the sky. I don't know what they would do. But that's the worst thing about this scene. I think if it was, like, light shining through the fog, kind of like Jack Carpenter's, no, John Carpenter's The Fog. Okay set it up to be spookier so then you're like oh who are these instead of just like it's broad daylight why am i scared of these people yeah and it seems like the whole like the whole telling of the song and their whole exchange of words is very like off the page it's not Mm -hmm. not what they would have said in that situation It, it i don't know that's the one striking point i have against this episode um and even isla who i love isla to death this is Maria Doyle Kennedy. I think she's great in everything. But when she was given, when we first meet her, it seems like she's kind of rolling her eyes and just going through this rote that she, her heart is not into. Um, That's the first impression I got. And my, my impression changed later on because I like this actress and I like this character a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, First impressions are everything though, eh? But my first impression of Aram though, 
Thumbs up, dude. I love this guy, Aram. I loved him in the books. I love this character playing him, Daryl McCormick. Um, I put a big heart next to Isla's name because I love her. And then I put a little heart next to Aram because, you know, I'm a hetero dude, but I like this guy, Aram, a lot. I like the way he looks. I like his style. I like his hair. I like his eyes. I like Aram. What can I say? I have no thoughts on this section. <laughs> like the uh, the only note I wrote down for these two uh, could be dragons mm-hmm. was I guess I should just pull up my notes. <laughs> they say all roads lead to the White Tower and I said all train tracks lead to un- <laughs> to a Union station. Okay. <laughs> oh, also, you could. They, he's like, oh, could you channel us up some food and water? You technically could channel water. You could pull it from the ground or from plants. Yeah, she. Well, she's not trained to do that yet, but she abs. You, you're right. She probably could do that. Uh, I guess something else I guess should bring up too is, I told, I said that Isla's speech was kind of stilted. At any rate, though, she is the one who is speaking for them. It's not her husband, Rain, who's doing the talking here and explaining their situation. It's Isla. It's always the women who are in charge of all these groups. The only time we don't see that is in those white cloak dudes. They're definitely run by guys. Every other organization, you're going to see a woman at the head. There was a review, a negative review, of course, saying, I just, why are, it seems like Two Rivers is just nothing but females. What? I don't get this. And it's like, there are so many men there, sir. Plenty, plenty ahoy. This wokeification, though, there were a few of those reviews, but I'm like, I'm not giving these people the time of day. Thank you for doing that. And our time of day is it's time for a break. Just one second, James, and we'll be right back. And we're back here with James. We have already talked about Perrin and Egwene and Nynaeve. Now it's time to talk about the boys, Matt and Rand. What's up with you? Oh, no, I wasn't introducing you, but I will not. Hi, James. Hello. I thought you were like, the boys were the boys. I guess we are the boys, but I'm referring to our Two Rivers boys. You were saying something before about how they said that like all roads lead to et cetera, et cetera. In this world, that is true. They kind of make a joke about that, but that is absolutely true. All roads do lead to Tarvalon because Tarvalon is the center of this world. And in much the same way that like, you would think about it like Rome, for example, all roads lead to Rome. And in Rome, the major city back then, you know, you, of course, that's where you house the Pope. And that's exactly who our Amaril and Seat and our Aes Sedai are kind of supposed to be the equivalency of the Pope and Unless it's this new pope, he's doing some decent stuff. Yeah, yeah, they'd be more, more, to, more in tune with the new pope. But I think even beyond that, because they're more altruistic, they're not shoving their religion down your throat. They're there to help. They're not trying mm-hmm. to convert you. They're just trying to to help the world and to guide it correctly. Unless you're a man trying to channel, ugh, why do they hate men so much? It's not that, like, they're truly going to murder their families. It's like, oh, hey, I know, th- these people who are saying, like, oh, they hate men, what's up with that? They, it's as if someone was like, I'm going to kill my family, 
and you're like, oh, well, don't do that. Well, you know, I'm going to. And the people are like, well, hey, maybe if you have those uh, issues, maybe we shouldn't give them guns. Oh, no, no, you should still keep those guns, okay? You can't take away guns from an American. It's just like, oh, you can't take away magic from a man. Yes, because, like, it's not just – it is inherent. It's not up to uh, – just like a predisposition, like every man who gets this power will go crazy. Yes. It's not up for debate. That's why they have to steal them. If there was debate of like, well, some men don't. Well, then it's like, oh, no, they're just trying to have all the power themselves. That's not the case, guys. Well, let's see. Matt is hilarious. I love Matt, even though, you know, I don't always agree with Matt, but I think his dialogue and his delivery is awesome. They enter Breen's Spring here, this little mining town they come upon. And this is something I didn't notice the first time around either. Did you happen to notice what they were mining in this town? No. They're mining like garbage, which is to say like they're not looking for gold or coal. They're just looking at the past remnants of the past world Mm. and just getting everything they can out of it. So it's basically like a big junk pile and they're just getting all they can. Out of the yeah. pile. It's like the worst kind of archaeology of, <laughs> hey, let's just, let's take everything and whatever's worth something, we keep that and then the rest we throw it back in. Yep. Uh, I did notice too, like while they were coming into town, you would see them like, you saw a couple people like going through the junk and like kind of holding it up. Oh, look at this junk. But I saw like an aqueduct as well coming down the mountain there. So I... I know for a fact that if I was living in this world a wheel of time, that's where I would be working. I'd be working at the aqueducts, helping that water flow, helping the customers get their nice, clean water. So I found my job in the wheel of time. What would your job be in the wheel of time, James? I guess I'd be a gleeman. Oh, hell yeah. You think you could? I mean, that's a tough, that's a tough, you don't just play at bars like this now. You gotta, you gotta go play for little kids. Yeah. You got to entertain kings and queens. Good. I okay. don't want to be in this bar <laughs> they, because everyone's like, I'm a kill me a gleeman. And if you've seen Meet the Deedles, you know I'm referencing a line Robert England said when he goes, I'm a kill me a deedle. Such a funny <laughs> fucking line. Uh, this man starts playing his guitar and I would love to do a song like this. You know, in a lot of modern day hardcore trap type rap it's like the beat's like, doom, do, do, doom, do, and they're like, I'm going to get this shit real. And then the beat drops like when you should be hitting on that one, the mm-hmm. beat drops out for like half a bar and then like it hits back in on the snare. I would love to do a song to like set it up like that, but the beat never comes back. And people are like, oh, wait, uh, no, oh, oh, I think it's going to come here. Nope, it doesn't. And it's just <laughs> for a full verse, do that. But yeah, that's what this man this man says. I'm a drop it a cappella now, and it's like no, noodle the guitar. I thought that was pretty cool the way he stopped playing and kept on going. I like that like a cappella version. But you know that he was playing. Like I don't know what the final audio version was, but if you look at his hands, he's playing the correct chords at the correct time. This guy knows how to play the guitar. He's doing the right thing. And this guy is from 1899. I'm so excited about that. He's, he's Anchor. He's one of our cast members from 1899. And this guy is chatting with me on Instagram. I love it. I'd, like to, I'd like to see him come back as Anchor. I don't know if I'm going to see it or not. He is not going to be in season two of The Wheel of Time, James. No. 
I know. I was really sad about that too. At first, I was hopeful. I was like, oh, he's not going to mm-hmm. be in season two of Wheel of Time because he's going to be too busy doing 1899. Not the case. He's doing some other projects. It's just a story thing. He's going to be back in season three. But okay. just in season two, he just doesn't have a place in that season. Okay, I'm fine. As long as he comes back, because if he doesn't, that implies that he died. Yeah, and well, no, oh, right, right, right. At the, at the end of this episode, he didn't die, though. He, yeah, he was still alive at the end of this episode. Well, no, I mean, in this season, it seems like there oh. is a chance that he could be dead. Right, right. And he ends up redeeming himself in the beginning. He's a shit heel of just like, I'm going to steal this money that was stolen from you. And it's like, come on, man. That's rude. I wanted to say, I think he always had the plan to give it back to him, but I don't think that's the case. I think it was after Matt proved himself by like Mm -hmm. sticking around and helping him bury the body is when he decided to give it back to him. So yeah, you're kind of right. He's kind of a swindler. Yeah. And speaking of Matt, Matt says to Rand like oh you do all this menial labor because you're the reason we're in this shit town but no man from episode I think what one when he says they throw up the bat and Rand's like I'm leaving I'm not following this lady and then he says well she I'm trusting her because at least right now she can throw a fireball and she's defending us from these trollops that's fine and then the next episode oh I'm gonna steal me a dagger (laughs) that That's the reason why they split up. And now he's the one who doesn't have the money because of his gambling addiction that they can't afford outright a room. Your words to my ears. You're absolutely right. I think what we're seeing here is Dagger Matt is we're we're seeing the dagger having its effect on him. He wasn't being this crappy before. We yeah, start okay, seeing right. him, we start seeing him being lazy and being kind of nihilistic as a matter of fact. He's like they're probably dead and he doesn't say it with any remorse. So I think mm-hmm. that's the dagger talking. Okay, you're, you're right. You're right. Because yeah, he he was nice in the previous episode, but once he got that dagger, oh my god, things are changing. Is he the dragon? No, he just <laughs> got cursed by a dagger. But one young lady dreamed about the dragon, a young lady named Dana, who I also put a heart next to her name, too. I really wish that we hadn't seen her die in this episode because I like Dana a lot. And I would love to see that actress come back and this character come back. Mm-hmm. The, the barkeep. Um, something else I noticed that I probably wouldn't have noticed if it was on a, wasn't a rewatch. First off, they come in and she greets them out of this whole busy bar. She yells at them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a TV watcher, you're like, oh, she's talking to them because they're the main characters. Yeah. You know, she's been looking out for them because mm-hmm. she reveals later on that she didn't know exactly who they were, but she knew that they were going to be there. So that's why she took an interest in them real quick. But she didn't know when they would show up. So when we see her for the first time, she's wearing her normal bar stuff. Um, she's got like a real high cut shirt on and she's got her hair just kind of messy but then when we see her later on trying to make the moves on Rand, that's when she does like some Egwene into her hair and she braids it up and she's wearing like that low cut shirt doing like a lot of leaning. So it's pretty apparent that like she wasn't really expecting them, but she knew that they were going to be coming at some point or hoping she was hoping mm-hmm. they were coming at some point. And on a rewatch, you can really it's so on the I mean, not on the nose. It It's so apparent or a pair in that. <laughs> She 
or like it makes sense why she would go towards the dark one because she's saying I am just stuck here. I need new opportunities, but hey, this is what the wheel dealt me. Well, when you feel like that, this is how like terrorist organizations or cults recruit people of Mm -hmm. finding people who think they are stuck and hey i'm going to make this promise to un like to remove you from this equation and you can live how you want to live for once in your life you are in control and that's what happens yeah that's one of the last points i wanted to make and i'm going to turn to my last page because we're talking about it now is that the dark one's view of the wheel and of the world is exactly what you just said. It's pointless and it's just pain and just let it end. That's the exact opposite of what Rand's dad, Tam, told him. He said Mm -hmm. the wheel is there and we're reincarnated so we can make things better, so we can get better and better each time around. So thank God that it was Tam raising Rand with this philosophy as opposed to Dana with her philosophy of the wheel. When did Wheel of Time start? What do you mean? When did the books come out? 95? Uh, 90, 91. Oh, shoot. Maybe this was parallel thinking, or maybe Robert Jordan saw an episode and heard the theme song of Step by Step, because that's, <laughs> hey, we'll make it better the second time around. <laughs> he must have. I, it's obvious. When did Step by Step come out? 91 also? 90. Hell yes. Oh, man. Must have been a huge influence on Robert Jordan. Mm-hmm. We're watching Matt get like publicly shamed twice in the same bar. First, he gets shamed by Tom when Tom steals his money and everybody kind of ooze. And then when he goes to Dana and he makes that horse trader uh, riff and then she calls him out on it and she like publicly shames him there in front of everybody, too. And this is Dagger Matt that she's mm-hmm. saying this to. That's not good stuff. But the horse trader thing is interesting because in the book, that's actually what Matt's dad was, was a horse trader. Mm-hmm. And he talks about horses, horses in the book an awful lot because he was a son of a horse trader. I think it's kind of, you know, a little wink at the book readers there to put that one on him. I'm a pimp, a.k.a. I'm a whore trader. <laughs> that's insane. I, I, all of those words are... are no longer use those <laughs> but it's a good turn of phrase yeah, it uh, you it, it kept sounding like you were saying whores <laughs> what was i saying not horse horse yeah <laughs> he's a horse trainer but because of like your yep. accent it sounds like you keep saying yeah he trades whores <laughs> let's see Rand calls matt a prick um, speaking of bad words, and, <gasps> which is not what Matt wants to hear. Because remember what his mom said. His mom said the same thing, too. And here Rand says that. And you see Matt's face kind of drop when Rand says that. Didn't drop the mic. Drop Matt's face. I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> drop the beat. Went acapella. Yeah. Just like Tom. Uh, I like the fact that this is a very gay, casual world where Dana insinuates or just I guess he's just kind of trying to feel Rand out and she's like Mm -hmm. you and Matt are together as like lovers Rand's not offended by that at all he's just no we're not you know it's cool so I kind of like how it's not really frowned upon in this world it's not taboo and also the phrasing slap and tickle did you catch that no 
Yeah, that's what they call sex is a slap and a tickle. And I neither slap nor tickle. <laughs> so I don't know what this is coming from, but you're not doing it right. The I guess slapping, I'm not doing it right. Slapping should be a part of every lovemaking and the tickling. If you're from where I'm from, Muskegon, Michigan, mm-hmm. watch that tickle documentary where featured prominently, I've heard. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of which, the slap and the tickle, did you? I didn't catch this either. This is a new thing that I just caught where Matt was talking to Rand when he was chopping the wood and Matt was being lazy and Rand made some kind of point like, Oh, I thought Dana was like, I thought Mm -hmm. Moraine was more your speed or whatever. No. Yeah. uh, The one, two of, Oh, he's into older women. And then also, Oh, he, he's down to tag team. (laughs) It went right over my head. I don't know why, but that I just caught it. So hopefully everybody's like me and they missed it. (laughs) I, my friend, Terry Ripley, RIP, in high school, he just was all into running train. And I'm like, that's weird, man. That is an odd thing to be so into do with your friends. Yeah, totally agree. I don't understand that line of thinking whatsoever. Um, we're moving on, but, James. <laughs> but hey, you want to know? What? I tr- I like to try everything at least once. And I will tell everyone, wasn't my thing. I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I did not try that with my friend. Nobody's getting nothing in this episode because Rand turned our girl down cold, um, which is mm-hmm. you know, which is fine. But before he did, though, she was talking. We got some reveals that they're heading east, of course. Um, she's talking about places she wants to go. The Stone of Tear, the Lion Throne of Camelon, and Ogier Steading. Um, I'm glad she brought those things up because that probably means we're going to see those things later on this this series. Um, she reveals that she trapped Rand in here. Wait a second. That's not where I'm supposed to go. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, That's but I'm not at. doing a recap. I'm, I'm, we're, oh, okay. <laughs> we're just doing a rewatch here. So I don't need to yeah. go, but yeah, this is the scene where Rand tears the door down, uh, which is significant because he's not supposed to do such. And we're supposed to kind of put that back in our Rolodex of stuff that Rand can do. So do that now. <laughs> Um, I don't really have anything else much to say about um, Rand and Dana. Same. Okay, good. I was going to say until after, you know, she starts running through the town. But I want to go towards Matt and Tom at this point because our two boys meet up there at that Aiel cage. And like I said, this is the third episode of the third episode of the series. And this is the third time we've seen Matt steal something, except this time um, he's doing it in plain view of Tom Tom kind of gives him the okay to steal, mm-hmm. um, which, I, yeah, it's interesting because Tom, you can tell that Tom has a lot of honor and he's a quick judge of character. And even the guys in the town that killed this Aiel guy, you know, even they didn't steal off the corpse because it's just such like so frowned upon to steal from a corpse. But Matt does it anyway, and Tom's okay with it. So it tells us, the viewers, that it's kind of okay. It kind of gives us the permission to do this. Yeah. Um, again, interesting politics. Oh, but we know that's going to come up later in maybe a season two when they're like, oh, my God, are you one of those red-haired men? Oh, yeah, that red hair, buddy. Um, yeah, we talked about that last time. It seems really obvious now that they're trying to point that out to us. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, I don't know. 
Even though I still say that Rand is not a redhead. Why? He's not a redhead, guys. Remember we had this huge debate because I have blue blockers on him. Like, he's a redhead? No, 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 no. We were talking about Maxim. We were talking about Maxim's blonde hair, not Rand's red hair. Oh, no. Oh, uh, no. But what I was saying was uh, he, he takes that jewel thing. Yeah. And that will come up to be like, oh, my God, where did you get this? That will break bad for him eventually. And then when you were saying like, oh, they're making note of the hair color of it being red. Uh-huh. And last time I was like, I'm wearing these blue blockers. I thought he had brown hair. <laughs> he stole that little uh, that little stone. I guess it was like a little stone dog or um, some kind of like little wolf. Or yeah, that's going to break bad. I think it's going to break bad. I think it might have been a fox. I really couldn't tell what it was. And I looked at some other recaps and there wasn't really any solid answers. But a fox seems like it's the most appropriate for Matt's character. What are you talking? It's just a gem. It wasn't shaped in any specific way, was it? Oh, no, no. He went through the guy's pockets and first he took the gem. Then he went through his pockets and he grabbed a little statue of an animal out. Okay. It looked like it it could either be a wolf or a fox. I'm leaning fox. You didn't I'm see saying it. terrier. <laughs> you didn't see it, so your opinion doesn't count, James. <laughs> you can say whatever you want here, and I'll be wrong. <laughs> but how did our episode end here? Uh, oh, yeah, it ended with Dana dying. You saw that black blood come out of her. And something that I now know from this episode that I wasn't sure about before is that we're definitely going to see... Uh, Okay, I'm talking over your head, I guess. But there's a group of evil people that work for the Dark One called the Forsaken. And they've kind of always been part of like the evil crew. And they get, you know, they come back every every so often as well. And I was afraid they weren't going to dive into the Forsaken at all because they kept showing like the guy in the last episode as the Dark One, our, our bearded gentleman who was battling Rand at the end. And they didn't really give him a name. I didn't know if they were even going to go into the Forsaken at all. But we've already got name dropped. Um, Ishmael and Bealzaman. So that's two of the Forsaken right there, right there that have been mentioned in this episode. Yes. I'm pretty sure that's one Forsaken and a Digimon, okay? <laughs> Bealzaman is a Digimon? Yes, that is a, that's a Digimon. Maybe I'm saying his name wrong. I don't know, I, but... It's also, I believe, one of the sexiest Digimon, which was in that tier list, was A, me saying it's sexy means they are humanoid looking, they have leather jackets, and they (laughs) have a gun. Maybe that Digimon was named after our Bielzamon here, because he's pretty sexy. He's got a cool jacket, too. He saw his jacket there. Got his cool red eyes. No gun. No gun. (sighs) This is before muscles, though. Muscles. Yeah. Guns. Okay. He's got. Yeah, all right. There he goes. <laughs> Two tickets. <laughs> well, yeah, that's I think that's all the wrap up we got. That's all the notes I have for this episode. Um, all right. And yeah, all these were released at the same time, which brings me to our one of our last points here, James. When we get our season two coming out, they're probably going to do the same crap to us. They're going to drop three episodes all at once. So we might be a couple weeks behind. I'm not too sure because we'll, of course, we'll watch it the first episode as soon as we can mm-hmm. and we'll recap it. But then I, I'm still hoping for this. Is what I'm trying to say is I'm still trying to obtain some screeners and this late into the game. I don't have any hopes that I'm going to get them. 
I mean, the, the date hasn't been released yet, but I seriously doubt I'll get those screeners that I've been dying for. I think at most they'll do they'll put out two episodes. Now that it's an established show, mm-hmm. they probably were expecting people to be like, "Oh, the book was better," <laughs> so they're like, "Let's do three So people, that's my rule of thumb: is I, if I right off the bat, I'm like, "This show doesn't seem nice." I'll watch three episodes. Okay, okay, and then once I, that's a I'm able to really dip my toe in and test the temperature of the show and then I'm like oh yeah I'm going to keep going with this or no thank you gotcha it's it just kind of scared me I was like oh shit we got to do like three episodes all at once I don't know how we're gonna do it but then I was like we'll be two weeks behind no big Mm -hmm. deal and if we're one week behind that's even better I like that because I'm right now I'm watching the last of us and episode three came out last night I liked episode one. I did not like episode two. And I was on a message board talking about this and other people who have seen the whole series were like, episode three is the best episode. That's the kicker episode. So you can't stop now. So mm-hmm. when we get the, when we get off the call here, I'm going to go check that out. Um, if the third episode does it, it's a make or break at this point because I didn't like episode two. So if I don't like episode three, I will not continue watching. So this episode three better be a banger or Stevie is out. Hey, spoilers for episode three as someone who hasn't seen anything. <laughs> it's sad. Oh, yeah. Every episode has been sad so far. Uh, that That's that's my point. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but yeah, James, that's all I got for Wheel of Time this week. Um, please keep looking out for 1899. We are on the message boards, not we as in me and James, but me and Lindsay are on those message boards every day. We're dropping memes. We're dropping theories. Lindsay is still recapping and she'll be joining me in a couple weeks for our season retrospective. Um, as for me, you know, I'm introvoid doing music every now and then. And the music this week was from me. That song that we're hearing is, I guess I'm feeling better now. And that's available everywhere, Spotify and all that stuff. And James, I think that you're a musician and a podcaster. What do you got for us to check out? Hey guys, go to MLMPod.com for information about my podcast, like Mostly Speak and Sentai, The Height of Horror, Formulaic, and Hit It in Credit. Also, Sweaty Time Pro Wrestling. You can also find out information about my music under Marshland Monster over on MLMPod.com or wherever music is found and head over to Patreon.com forward slash MLMPod where for $5 a month you get exclusive content in the form of podcasts every single Friday. Right on. And in the show notes, you can see a link to MLM Pod right there. And then you see a link to the Discord. That's our Discord right there. You see a link to our music right there as well. You ain't got far to go. Well, James, next week we'll be talking about episode four, which is, like I keep saying, it's my favorite episode of the series, so I'm psyched about it. But for right now, we're going to bid adieu, and James, ahoy there! Find water and shade already. Oh yeah, he did it right. Thank you, James. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.